0: Presentation. Oh, welcome to the eighth best movie podcast in Canada. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin.
1: Matt, I think you have something in your
0: throat. You might want to get that cleared up. Oh, is it a full moon? Is it a full moon? (laughs) Today we are reviewing a Marvel Studios special presentation. We'll get into that. Uh, Directed by Michael Giacchino, uh, which is also very interesting. We'll get into that. Uh, Werewolf by Night. So if you guys aren't familiar with what Marvel Studios is doing, um, lately they are doing these special presentations right now based on like holidays. So werewolf by night is their kind of Halloween special. Uh, and then later we are getting a guardians of the galaxy Christmas special. And then there are rumors that they might kind of continue this trend on Disney plus in the future, which I kind of think is interesting. Uh, Eric, how are you doing? It's not actually a full moon, but, um, it it's is October a, the, and it's spooky 11 a.m.
1: season. <laughs> So this yeah. fits perfectly. But yes, a, to your point. I'm
0: wearing a Midnight Madness shirt. I tried to kind of – I feel like this this works for this this whatever you want to call this. It's not a movie. It's not a TV show. It's a TV movie? Is it like a special? What do we call this? I mean what is the
1: Star Wars Christmas special to the rest of the yeah. Star Wars universe? It's much better than that though. Um Yeah, it's one of those things where like Marvel's gotten to that point now where it almost feels like the movie and TV thing. Like, if you look at this from the point of view of like it all being televisual or television in general, like even the movies, this is you've gotten to that point now where the holiday special, you know, which is kind of cyclical to certain tv shows like you look at something like community right where like every season they had a movie a halloween episode and and you would always kind of be looking forward to that or you know for brooklyn 99 you would have the halloween episode which is the heist episode as well so it kind of feels like marvel you know with its body of work as a whole is starting to do that now where you're having these one-offs within the canon of Um, You know, this this larger universe. So I think that that's kind of interesting in Mm -hmm. how it's conceptually playing with not only a genre, but a time of year and a theme. And it is kind of specifically going to the classic tropes of universal monster movies for this version. Um, and, and you know can...
0: spoilers just so everyone knows where we yeah. won't spoil anything. It's just what no. you've seen in the trailers and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. And, and, and the universal monster movies thing is, is purely aesthetic. So like oh, that's totally. not ruining anything at being, no, I just meant to white. get it out
0: before we start talking too much. I just want yeah. to get it out there. No spoilers on this. review.
1: Yeah. We're not going to uh, wolf this one up. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things where like, again, like you've seen it even in, some of the MCU movies where like Thor, the one I was reminded the most of was Thor Ragnarok where Thor Ragnarok and this feel like one-offs. And I think both are successful
0: at what they do, but now I'm sticking to their tone and and being so different than everything else.
1: But now I'm also worried that they'll try Mm -hmm. to repeat that again with werewolf by night in some other form that maybe it won't work as well because you know, whether it be a feature or another show or, or something where these characters possibly spin off or go somewhere else, or just Marvel trying to take that exact same formula and trying to apply it within, you know, the supernatural realm of the MCU, uh, I think may or may not work to its advantage where it does here. it It yeah. makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I had a blast with this man. Like, um, you know, people who listen to us know that I'm the big MCU stan um, of the two of us. But, um, and I'm kind of a sucker for, you know, ninety percent of what they put out, even good or bad. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just really love the commitment to the aesthetic to this. Like, uh, you know, I I love Michael Giacchino. We've talked about him a lot as a as a composer. Maybe kind of, you know he's everywhere really. So him getting a a chance to direct something and you can see that he has a reverence for those universal monster movies and those classic kind of horror movies, but just right from the get go of like committing to the black and white committing to the film and the film scratches and film grain committing to the practical effects, committing to that kind of campy tone of those movies that, you know, of the time they weren't necessarily campy, but as you go back and watch them now, they kind of are, um, and I think it has all that. And it reminded me of like, you know, in, in Tarantino's uh, and, um, and Eli Roth's grindhouse. Is that who did the other one? uh, Tarantino or Robert Rodriguez. Rodriguez, Eli Eli Roth directed the Thanksgiving segment. Yes. Sorry. um, That's what I'm thinking of too. All those guys that went and did all the fake trailers for in between grindhouse like, and really committed to those aesthetics and, 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 and that kind of stuff. Um, I'm just like, a sucker for that. And, and I feel like this movie from the sound and this, you know, Giacchino score even reminded me a lot of Lost and, and, and different things too. Um, I loved Gail Garcia Bernal. I thought he was great. The practical effect of the actual werewolf, I think will be divisive to some people. Um, I personally, again, I think it's committing to what it's, uh, it's trying to do. And I think... If you, if you buy in, I think you'll have a really good time with this. I think it's it's surprisingly violent. Um, I liked the kind of maybe not necessarily like mystery element, but I liked that game that they were setting up on this kind of a side pocket of the MCU, the supernatural side pocket that we're going to start to see more of. Um, and I just I really like that it's a one and done you know, it's a lot of style over substance, like, but it's really fun style. So I feel like because it doesn't stretch itself out over, you know, six episodes or 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 things like that, like it is just a kind of one and done. I, I found myself just like really engaged throughout the 45 minutes or, you know, before credits and, um, and really kind of just appreciating, you know, Giacchino going, this is what I want to do. Uh, let's do something weird, um that you know it fits in this kind of overall universe where a lot of the movies feel samey but not in a bad way they're all entertaining but they all kind of follow the same structure to the most part and it's something me and you talk about a lot eric with the mcu and me being a huge fan you depending on the, the project liking it or not um, where the things we're more interested in is when they kind of explore genre and explore style and, and, and really take whoever's directing it and let them kind of put their stamp on it. And we don't know Giacchino's stamp because he's, he's never directed anything, but um I'd be totally cool if he, if this is something that he's super interested in, like trying it with a different character and maybe werewolf by night shows up. Like there is a character in this that I love man thing. That's not a spoiler because he, he pops up briefly in the trailer. That was my favorite part of this. Right. And I just, uh, I, I would love to see him explore uh, this side of the universe more and, and going back to what I was saying with playing with genre and tone and stuff like that, like the stuff where they go all out and go, you know, sure, it's, every superhero thing doesn't need to be a superhero movie. It can be a subgenre and, and kind of really commit to that. And I like when the MCU does that. And I think they did a really good job here.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think like horror movie fans will be delighted by the references to, you know, <clears throat> filmmakers like Jack Arnold and Val Luton productions, or, you know, even just the classic and o- most obvious comparison to, you know, the Lon Chaney Jr. version of The Wolfman, or you know, Werewolf of London, and those movies, in terms of its lighting and shadows on the face, specifically, yeah. like I love the way that you know, in in those classic movies, you'll see sort of light piercing the eyes, but everything else is in shadows, it's kind of, yeah. Or the cigarette burns, obviously, being the other thing that kind of pops up a little bit yeah. throughout the, uh, which the, commits
0: the, the... to the when the real change is supposed to happen and stuff like that, yeah,
1: yeah, and and it's very much in the in the vein of like something that like what Mank did recently, but I think this does it actually better and is more weirdly sincere uh, than, than Mank Uh, shots fired, but um, it's, it's kind of more playful in its tone and that works for it. It's, it's still very derivative of, of that style, but for a first, you know, crack at, you know, directing something. I think Michael Giacchino does a pretty good job at emulating that style and that atmosphere and tone than just simply, you know, regurgitating plot. And I'm glad that we can talk about man thing because man thing was my favorite part of this, of this, uh, I loved him. Man. Special. I loved him. <laughs> um, I didn't, I didn't watch the trailer, so I yeah. didn't know that he was even in the trailer. I
0: heard that he was, um, But, like, and I I double checked before I talked about it. But, and that's the um, weirdness
1: of the MCU that I want more of, where you have these characters that don't really make any sense sense with the MCU, but are still amazing. Where's he
0: been this whole time? I know. (laughs) I want to
1: know more about Ted. Just give me more. I love Man Thing so much. I mean, I loved Swamp Thing as a kid as well, like the cartoon series, DC
0: version version
1: of of it. it. But yeah, there, there was just something very like I want more of Jack and Man Thing hanging out and just being buds. I think
0: like, we might get that. I don't know how. Like what you said like I don't want to overstay the it, welcome yeah. or or anything like that whether it's another special maybe every Halloween we pop in and see what, you know, Jack Russell's up to and Man Thing and like Great name, Jack Russell. Hilarious. Well, it reminds me Um, of Jack
1: Burton from um Big Trouble in Little China, right? Russell. So yeah.
0: So I I yeah, I'd be down, or maybe we see him pop up in that supernatural side, whether it's Blade or you know, Moon Knight or or something like that. Like if they are gonna go the kind of route of pairing all those characters up, whether it's Midnight Suns or something like that, like you know this character will be coming back. I'll be fascinated to see if they commit to that costume and stuff in other movies because like I feel like it would be so jarring if he showed up in like an Avengers movie or another movie that isn't this aesthetic right and like him wearing that kind of you know dude in a werewolf costume kind of thing and that's the stuff that I'm like huh? I wonder if they would go with a CG version if it was in another movie and I think even that stuff could work right like if it fits the tone and the special effects that they're using in this uh, in this you know special presentation that they're doing but if he shows up in other places it fits the aesthetic and the special effects and different things that they're doing in that movie which i think could be a really cool way to play with things like not not everything needs to match one to one and you're still playing with the medium even though it's in this universe it's just perceived in different ways through the lens that we're watching it that i think could be interesting in the future to see because i just couldn't imagine this motherfucker showing up in a secret wars in this wolf costume with everyone. Like I just, I would love, I think I would love it, but like, would would love it too, but like, I would love it too, but I just, I can't fathom that, but like, I would love it. um But I don't know if everyone would love that. Um, I know, but it's,
1: it's, it's with keeping in the tone and consistency of the character's yeah. pocket of the MCU or the corner of his world and and another thing that it did remind me a lot of, there's an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer called Slayer Fest. And it's basically these group of hunters that are gathered together to mm-hmm. hunt down Buffy. I um, love that element in this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it all takes place during prom. So she's juggling both prom and, you know, That's these, these yeah. killers and hunters that are all after her. But with this... I love a
0: good deadly competition. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. And, yeah, and man's thought... the
1: most deadliest game kind of thing.
0: Hmm. It, it's you know obviously we didn't even get into what the what it's about but maybe you guys should just kind of watch it for yourself but like um the bloodstone plays a big part into this we have uh, elsa bloodstone played by uh sorry laura donnelly um playing elsa uh, bloodstone i thought she was great too i thought the fight choreography was dope both from her and from werewolf uh by night um shout out to harriet sansom uh harris who is uh stole the show in uh licorice pizza um and just absolutely crushing it uh here again um i thought the cast was fun like all the different kind of characters that they had and 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 them going through this manner. um it it just it kind of had a video game vibe to me too right like there's a lot of um uh What's the right term? But like the Predator video game was this and the Friday the 13th video game was this where one person uh, controls the monster and the other players are all hunting that monster, right? And or like, running from it, it. <laughs> had, yeah, or running from it. Yeah. So um, it kind of had that vibe and it. is it asymmetric? I forget what the term of the, the, that type of video game is, but it's like a multiplayer game where one person is this and the rest of them are all trying to hunt down the thing. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, it, it was fun, man. There's not much else to say. Like, I just think it was like a, a really good time. It introduces you to this new pocket. Uh, introduces you to a few new characters that I think you will see pop up in other things. I do hope we see like Man-Thing reminded me of when, you know, Korg, I know with you, Eric, in in the second Thor movie, it, it wore you down a little bit with Tyka's kind of, you know, whatever. Um, but Man-Thing, like it reminded me of that first time I saw some some like a side character, like Korg or something like that, where I'm like, I love this guy. I will kill for him. I want to see him everywhere. And uh, I hope we see more Man-Thing, and I hope we see more, you know, Jack Russell uh, moving forward. I just uh, I- I'm curious to see what they do with these special presentations or these characters moving forward.
1: Yeah, it, it kind of reminded me a little bit as well as like, you know, the, the Han and Chewy relationship in some yep. ways where, you know, the communication is there, but you don't understand what Man-Thing or Ted is saying, but Jack does. So like there's that kind of like you're, it's a one-sided conversation but it's still very funny in terms of when ted is you know responding back to to jack so um yeah all of that i think is a lot of fun i think the style works especially if you're in the mood for some genre around this time of year yeah
0: Um, perfect time to release
1: it the acting and the performances are very heightened overall but it works um i love uh some of the dad humor um specifically by ulysses uh, Bloodstone. Um,
0: oh, yeah. There, there's, a good, there's a
1: good bit there that's funny. Um, I was also just curious about, like, because again, like this character, this storyline, obviously, you know, having briefly kind of skimmed through Wikipedia. You know, Moon Knight was introduced in the Werewolf by Night uh, comics, and so I'm sure there will be some sort of connection. Maybe there Maybe is an Easter two. egg even in this that I didn't pick up on, but yeah, I, I could see that character kind of inter, you know, intersecting at some point with um Oscar Isaac's character from that series I just hope maybe the tones kind of can balance each other out because this is much more playful than Moon Knight is more self-serious um even though that they're both kind of more again sort of looking at the supernatural realm. Um, The Bloodstone as well, I thought was kind of interesting because there's a movie franchise from the early 90s called Subspecies, which is about vampires. And the thing that they're all kind of after is the Bloodstone. And I know Charles Band, who's a big comic book guy, to the point where he tried to get the rights to Doctor Strange and did, but then the rights lapsed back and then he created Doctor Mordred. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he ripped off the Bloodstone From Werewolf by Night, if it's in the original comic book series. Um, So I thought that that was kind of interesting as well. But yeah, it's, it's all very much dependent on your interest in the genre and the aesthetic and the style. It's still contemporary in some of its action choreography and the cinematography and and some of the editing like i think that's kind of where it loses its credibility a little bit when it comes to committing to
0: still very much an mcu thing yeah
1: yeah it's 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 like when you're watching it it's like oh okay like you know the performances are very much like stylized but not to the point where it's of another time where when you watch the original wolfman and you see you know bella lugosi and lon chaney jr interact before you know uh, bella lugosi turns into the first wolf and and you know afterwards when uh lon chaney jr and claude rains are interacting together as father and son and 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 they're trying to kind of come to an understanding of what's going on and how to deal with this situation. It's, 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 it's a very, like you, you go and watch those movies and it's like, okay, one, they're also very short, but they sure. are still somewhat stylized to the point. Like if you were to watch the Wolfman after watching werewolf by night, I could see you still being a little bit, maybe um, not turned off by it, but kind of hesitant to kind of give in to that tone. Because of it being such a, an artifact now where this has takes that, that, but it still feels contemporary it's exactly, yeah. in, in its execution that it's like, okay, well, it's not completely, I guess, alienating to a the
0: viewer. word I was going to use. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, I, I'm curious to see what people's reaction to this is, because I, I do agree with you that I think you have to buy into it. You have to kind of have, like I don't really have a huge reverence for Universal Monster movies or some of the movies that you're mentioning, but I do like when people play with style and then something like this can interest people into going back and and seeing some of that stuff and maybe it won't work for you. Maybe it will. Um, But I could see this also going the other way where it's too far down the kind of rabbit hole of like committing to this where something like, the costume for Werewolf by Night might be off-putting to people because it's so cheap-looking or or whatever. Like, that was the one thing when I saw it, and I know I keep going back to it, but I think some modern audiences just – I don't know if they'll completely buy into it. And um, I could see people kind of being like, this looks stupid, um, but I hope that you understand what they're going for <laughs> with the tone. and And maybe – like I said, maybe when you see him show up in something else, he has it'll be a little bit more modern looking. But I'm kind of with you, Eric, where I hope they commit to the tone of where they were introduced and just continue that, even if it makes no sense in other projects and things like that. But I think it's still, yeah, like you said, modern enough to be like completely engaging throughout the whole thing. Like I think that fight choreography, I agree with you, is very modern. Um, Giacchino's score, I I would say, sounds more modern than. It sounds like he's always had a an interesting sound, and this sounds more like the shit that I remember. Why I loved him when he started in Lost, Um, not started in Lost, but when I first, you know, started to go, who is this guy? And I really love him. Um, and it has that kind of. It just reminded me of those kind of dramatic scenes in Lost with the bum 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 bum, and like just, uh, just him absolutely crushing it, and just good for him. Yeah, for trying, you know, his hand at directing, and you don't see many. Do you see many composers that then transition into directing? I, I you see some it's cinematographers. It's not a very common do, right?
1: thing. Yeah. I know, like you know, you'll sometimes see them as producers. I know Nick Bertel you know, was a producer with Damien Chazelle on you know certain things and and even with you know working with um you know Barry Jenkins like you know it's not uncommon for an executive producer credit or a producer credit but yeah in terms of directing it's a very rare thing you you hear about you know cinematographers sometimes making that transition into the director's chair and whether or not that's wholly successful that's another conversation entirely but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting that you have a guy who, you know, has worked for so long within this one specific pocket of the industry pocket seems to be the word of of this episode, um, you know, do something completely out of left field, but at the same time, I'm sure he's had enough experience on set or just kind of, you know, working with filmmakers,
0: JJ Abrams and, you know, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I mean, look at somebody, you know, we'll talk about it more on the regular show, but, you know, Danny Elfman having composed white noise and, you know, he has well over a hundred
0: credits to his name i think jacquino's um, up there already man like, yeah i'm looking at his discography and and you know he started obviously like in in the 90s um on things like my brother the pig and legal deceit um classics but then, and then also you know he did some short film stuff tv series obviously with alias and then lost with jj abrams and then But he really got started with video games, ironically, like um, doing the Gargoyles video game score and The Lost World and uh, Small Soldiers and and a lot of Jurassic Park stuff. So, I mean, he came back and did the Jurassic Park scores and the Jurassic World scores later and a lot of Medal of Honor and stuff like that in the early 2000s. So he got his start in video games. So he's just been... And I know we talked about that he maybe was spread a little too thin lately, like, yeah, and that's something we talk about with Danny Elfman as well, right? Like, it's just like when you do so much, is like, do you lose your sound, or are you just doing things that are different? Some seem like just jobs, some seem like passion projects that you're like. Obviously, this is a passion project for him, uh, where he put everything into the score, and and obviously directing being his first his his debut, but. Um, I've always really liked the guy. Um, I just hope that like, maybe if he wants to direct a little bit more, like slow down, pick your projects, be a little bit more selective. I don't know if you like, I know you want to set your family up for the future, but like, I, I really do like the guy and he's probably the, probably the biggest you know in terms of like blockbuster composers uh like right now and and good for him for trying directing and he's good at it it seems like it so yeah
1: he's he's very omnipresent in in the studio system in terms of composers but for every you know, great score. There's two or three of them within the same year. Never
0: bad, of, but just kind of,
1: no, no, no. They, they just kind of feel almost like just like placeholders or, or like, you know, temp score in a lot of ways where it's like, Oh, we have a Michael Giacchino score. That's great. But like, does it really mean anything? And I, I think his best score this year is the Batman score.
0: Oh God. 100%. Where that main yeah.
1: theme, you know, very much echoes Danny Elfman, but also does its own thing. And then you look at like the other scores that he has, you know uh, contributed to or, 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 or put together this year and it's like a, there's nothing that kind of sticks out the same way I think some of his best stuff obviously you know his Pixar stuff is great but like his Planet of the Apes scores are oh,
0: incredible you know they are so good and they don't get like, enough cr- they, they, they are weird those movies underrated. in general yeah Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes I can't wait and yeah. I hope Giacchino comes back for that because I really do feel like his scores Are a huge part uh, of those movies. And yeah, I agree with you. You know, like this year alone, uh he's done Thor Love and Thunder, which I Mm. felt like you know, I liked my Mark Mothersbaugh, and I'm I'm kind of like, why didn't they bring him back? Um, I know Tyke has been working with him and stuff on like Lightyear, good movie. Don't remember any of the music. Jurassic World Dominion. He was doing the same Jurassic World music he's done the last couple movies. You know, Spider-Man No Way Home, great. Um but then things like extinct, let him go, uh, an American pickle, um, you know Jojo Rabbit. Um, you know, I know he did bad times at the El Royale, which I liked actually. His music from that, um, a movie that I know not many people liked, but um, it's a solid film. Actually, I'd like to um, revisit that movie. It's a good yeah, time of year to do it. I was gonna say that as well, but his War for the Planet of the Apes score and. Um, But all of his Planet of the Apes scores are just uh, incredible. His Mission Impossible scores are great. Or I guess Ghost Protocol is the one that he did. But, um, you know, Super 8 is great because it actually had a vibe to it. Even though, again, derivative of certain, you know, of John Williams and things like that too. But um, uh, obviously that movie just emulating Spielberg from every aspect of it. But like, I love the guy. But yeah, I agree with you that I think I can't go through this and go any of these are bad it's just some are more forgettable than others and some well some of them are jobs
1: right like that's like that's the key thing where it's like okay danny elfman's 50 shades of gray score is not memorable whatsoever and it's interesting in terms of like oh danny elfman did the score for that movie but then when you listen to it it's like oh it could have been done by anyone where you know at the beginning of danny elfman's composing career after ongo boingo and working with tim burton it's like you 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 know the sound, you know the way that he uses choral voiceovers in terms of like, you know, making something very opulent and cinematic and and strange. And then over time, it kind of dilutes partly because you're always, you know, in, in, you know, business and working and things like that. And you're always in demand. And your sound
0: might not work for that movie that you got hired for. So you do something else and then it doesn't sound like you per se. Like, but I mean, like, come on, the dude made up, we're going back to, uh, um, like that, uh, up score is incredible. His Star Trek scores are great. Um, yeah, the dude's awesome. And like, I, I, there are those movies where I immediately know it's him. And then there are the movies where his name pops up later and I go, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. So, and I think the ones where I go, Ooh, that's him, um, uh, are the ones that I like more. But uh, I'm excited to see what he does next. Um, I wonder if they'll keep him around to kind of explore this pocket of the MCU um, or if he'll get a shot at a at a feature or maybe a, a, an entire series or something like that. But I definitely... Or outside um, of comic book movies as well. Like, I wonder what
1: his interests are in yeah. past, you know, working within, you know, this specific part of the studio system? Like, does he want to direct a movie about musicians? Does he want to direct a movie about
0: what does he think of tar?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I would like to know that. I, I'm very curious to to hear composer uh, reactions to that film. Um, You know, and, and, and yeah, like, it's just interesting. It's like, okay, like, cause we, the ubiquitous nature of Michael Giacchino, that omnipresent sort of composer that is almost like a default uh, pick when it comes to the studio especially movies. Disney movies yeah. yeah and and so it's like does he want to just make Disney movies does he want to try to do something else like where is where where do his ambitions lie or fall or, or what have you and this is a good starting point because it is something that is really it, it allows him to be creative but it also gives him a template to work within so you know he can have a lot of fun with the style of you know playing in that 1930s universal monster movie kind of milieu but at the same time he also has those reference points to fall back on if he needs them and it's not necessarily like there's anything in this that i would say like oh this is michael giacchino as a filmmaker like i I don't really know what distinct oh right unless has- he
0: keeps doing stuff like this and then you go oh that's his thing right yeah like because
1: jj and- abrams as much as i like jj abrams jj abrams is lens flares baby that's the but 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 lens flares are such a, a, a common thing in general but, but
0: it, uh, uh overuse of them yes is definitely yes. a director's stamp yeah um that became like almost a meme but
1: but yeah but jj his identity is somewhat thin compared to filmmakers that he very much admires where like when you watch a Spielberg movie you know yeah. what a Spielberg film is right. where with a J.J. Abrams movie you know that it's like okay well it's going to be a popcorn movie it's going to be entertaining or at
0: least you hope it's Mystery going to be entertaining box, kind of like, yeah there's yeah.
1: not a lot there in terms of its style J.J. is still kind of a company man as well and there's nothing wrong with that but no, but I do still feel kind of
0: a guy who is emulating Spielberg and, and, and things like that not necessarily having I love jj but like when he, he went back from star trek star wars star trek star wars kind of thing like well I'm even super Eight, see. right like super yeah.
1: eight is is such a uh re- i
0: like super Eight. i do
1: too but it is still a very derivative version of both 18 close encounters
0: with yeah. a little oh, bit of absolutely and, which and, maybe yeah. that that's his thing right and i could see uh jj you know asking giacchino to direct something for bad robot or or something like that after yep. seeing this like it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, you know, for Disney, or you know, but obviously has a great relationship with Disney. So, and I keep going back to the you know Searchlight and Twentieth Century Pictures, Twentieth uh, uh, Century Studios uh, yeah. um, relationship now because it, it always fascinates me that like they have this kind of trio of studios that is the one for you, one for me kind of thing. I'm I I am starting to see even more of that, or just like them you know, with releasing Barbarian and stuff like that, like it shows me that (laughs) Michael Giacchino's
1: Barbarian. What would that be? Just
0: like, I don't know, just like letting people kind of make interesting stuff either for Searchlight or for 20th Century Studios. Like I'm surprised that you know, Disney released a movie like Barbarian, right? So yeah. not saying that that's what Giacchino would go do, but at least like giving people the freedom to come over to their other studios, use their marketing dollars, using their budgets, even though they're much smaller than the budgets you get on a Disney movie or a Marvel studios movie or something like that, but like letting them play around. So even if he does stay within the Disney family, like to maybe do something that's not in the comic book or, you know, popcorn or, or it's still barbarians very much a popcorn movie, but like, You might throw up your popcorn, but um, anyways, uh, I think it's more of a bottle film than a popcorn (laughs) movie. Yeah. A milk movie. (laughs) Um, all right, I'm gonna give Werewolf by Night a four out of five. Really, really dug it, uh, quite a bit. I'm excited for the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. I have no idea what that will be, but I, I'm assuming it's just gonna be the Guardians going on an adventure at Christmas time. <laughs> so, um, and so I'll definitely be in for 45 minutes. Uh, Eric, what are you giving? Uh, I'm gonna give Werewolf by Night a three and a half out of
1: five. I think it's a lot of fun. I think it doesn't overstay its welcome. More man thing, please. Oh yeah. Um, but it's also a a a special presentation i keep on wanting to say feature but a special presentation that is also kind of you know very much playing it safe in what it is sort of emulating and so with that you have to kind of like
0: oh it's it
1: is very much a kind of um disposable entertainment but a good one in in that way so i don't
0: disagree so that's what i said like it's it is mostly style over substance or all style over substance but for the mcu i'm like i i again like i like some character dynamics in other movies a lot more but like for what this was trying to do i think it really really succeeds and i'd be curious now like before we wrap like what other there was that rumor an article came out i think last week or this week saying that they might pivot some of the disney plus shows into these special presentations like how do you feel about that do you think like I don't know how I feel like because the Disney Plus shows have been either hit or miss or have kind of haven't been able to figure out how to use their runtime, like usually just making long movies instead of making TV shows. Um, And She-Hulk is very much a TV show, right? And they figured WandaVision was very much felt like a TV show. and.
1: I would disagree um, with Wandavision, though. I think Wandavision is in that kind of middle sure. ground of yeah, both feeling in between cinematic, yeah. and I think that I think because I don't it think, is, emu- yeah. it's it's referencing television shows specifically, and like it is playing within that format. It still that it was is a television. Long movie, yeah, yeah. But it's 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 more ambitious in terms of its its filmmaking. But yeah, it's it's an interesting question to sort of discuss because you have even something like armor wars that was going to be a series and now it's going back to the drawing board and being rewritten as a feature and so it's like okay well what works as a 45 minute you know or an hour special or what have you versus you know a series versus a feature film or a series of movies so um it comes down to kind of like picking and choosing obviously, but you you have to think like what characters will work best. And then even that, you know, there's a political kind of nature to it. It's like, okay, well, why are you only giving this character, you know, special short shrift versus, you know, somebody that has had, you know, five movies now and had like, like a third Ant-Man movie. I get it that it's connecting to a bigger picture, but it doesn't necessarily feel like Ant-Man has earned a three movie arc the way that some other characters have. I think and,
0: me and you are, are two of the people that I, I, I like the Ant-Man movies. I but love yeah, Paul Rudd but, and, yeah. and,
1: and I want him to always have somewhere to go, but like, yeah, Ant-Man I think would be fine as like a 45 minute special, you know, then three like features. The, the
0: rule of threes in the MCU, that third movie sometimes is always, I think going to be, I think it'll be completely different than those first two, even though it's still Peyton Reed and, and, and things like that. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I, don't know if they'll continue just the holidays thing. Like, are we going to get a Easter, uh, um, special? Are we going to get, you know, a whatever flag day for the flag smashers or what? Like, I, I don't know. Like God. I, I, I <laughs> I'm joking, obviously. Um, I have no idea. I, I, I'm kind of down for it. Like, I don't think everything needs a six episode or nine episode series or 12 episode series or 24 episode series, but like i um i like it they're experimenting and trying to figure it out right and i still think we're in the infancy stage with the disney plus stuff right like i think they're already learning from those first series that they put out during the beginning of the pandemic and we're starting to see them learn from that both on the star wars side and on the marvel side when it comes to shows and then with this now they're experimenting with the special presentation of going okay, well, maybe like a 45 minute, it's basically just one episode of TV, right? And then uh, can that work for, for certain things? And then those that's how you maybe introduce a new character. And maybe you don't need to introduce them over six episodes, right? It just depends. So um, I don't know if they'll pivot all to specials or all to Disney Plus shows. I still think it'll be a mix, but um, it is going to be interesting to your point of like who they deem like will it be more ensemble shows that will be like like secret invasion style things that will be like more of a um but then Armor Wars sounded similar to Secret Invasion right like a, of an ensemble kind of piece and things like that but then Secret Invasion's a show where yeah it's interesting but i like that they're kind of saying fuck it let's just experiment and and try to figure out this as we go along so uh, who who the hell knows but the Guardians Christmas special i can't believe we're we're getting a Guardians thing probably in like a month or two, so yeah, right we'll now.
1: probably get even a teaser trailer for the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 shortly as well.
0: Yeah, both of those probably at the same time. You got it's think... almost the end of 2022, isn't it? No, How it's wild, like it's wild. I don't want to talk about it. Um, okay, everyone, um, thank you so much for watching or listening. Uh, we really, really do appreciate it. Uh, please go check out all of our other hashtag uh, content. Uh, That we have right now. Daddy made you some
1: content. Um,
0: You guys can go check out our newest episode of the Untitled Movie Podcast. Eric and I are going to be talking about our uh, quick jaunt over to New York where we saw Don Cheadle and um, Danny Elfman, like we mentioned, as well as got Shake Shack and... And uh, saw a movie at the New York Film Festival. So we'll talk about all of that as well as the Super Mario Brothers trailer. <laughs> yeah, it's not out yet, but we're going to be recording while it's uh, it's probably happening. So that's exciting. Um, as well as other stuff. So that's episode 134. We also have a couple other episodes you guys can check out. Our TIFF wrap-up episode, which is episode 132, where we go over everything we saw at TIFF and kind of rank those. As well as our kind of Last of Us trailer special that we did uh, last week, which was episode 133. Uh, if you guys want to listen to some more reviews, we have tons of stuff out right now, like Clerks 3, uh, Don't Worry Darling, all of our TIFF stuff, like How to Blow Up a Pipeline, The Greatest Beer Run Ever, which is now streaming on Apple TV+, Plus. Uh, Woman Talking, Pearl, which is now in theaters, and or episodes one through four, episode five just dropped. Um, Triangle of Sadness, The Banshees of Inishirin, uh, Empire of Light, Bros, Brother, uh, I forget what else. I'm, the Fablemans. The Fablemans, Glass yeah. Go The two biggest ones probably. Go check those out. So uh, those are all on the Reviews channel or YouTube. And there on will be YouTube. more. There will be more. We'll be spreading yeah. these out over the next uh, eternity, probably till next <laughs> TIFF. The next Infinity um, Wars. Yeah. Um, One Stop Shop. Just have, head over to Letterboxd, which is untitled underscore movies. Uh, And as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at UntitledMoviePodcast.com and every Monday through Thursday on CBC and CBC Gem on Family Feud Canada. Uh, You won't actually see me, but you will see my words sometimes. (laughs) Um, And then follow me on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck.
1: And I'm Eric March, and you can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash Cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211.
0: Until next time.
1: Man thing. You, you make my, my SWAT thing. thing. <laughs> okay, bye. Sing. <laughs>